All right, everyone, welcome back to the Voice in the Pen podcast. Emily and I are really thrilled today to be chatting with our friend and local musician, songwriter, poet, and storyteller extraordinaire, Mr. Jim Ashley. Welcome to the show, Jim. Welcome. Thank you, CB. Yeah, thanks for being here. So we are so excited to talk with you. Um, you know, we interview a lot of songwriters, and we do it in a lot of different ways. But one of the things that I think is super unique about having you here is you're also a poet, and arguably songwriters or maybe poets also. But you are a, uh, I would say, in the sense of the word, a true poet. You write poetry and you perform poetry in addition to songwriting. In fact, your most recent album, which we have a copy of, you got to hold that up. Let's get that in front of the camera. Poetry and Pickin. Jim Ashley. So maybe let's start there. How did this album come to Thank pass? You. How did it become a thing? I made loud noises. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> CB sounds so professional. I don't. I just can't do it. Um, <laughs> this is the album that I recorded very near the end of the uh, right before the uh, COVID happened and uh, stopped the Goat and Compass. I was the last one, I think, to win the um, the giveaway. Oh, wow. and, uh, so you recorded I, at Hourglass then? I recorded at Hourglass, and Tran asked me if I wanted to record um, one good song or, you know, five bad ones, and I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he would rather record one really good one. I said, that's not the way I do it. I'm going to record ten songs here today. <laughs> we actually only got nine. but uh, So you did <clears throat> nine songs in eight hours. Yes. That is impressive. Yeah, um, wow. They were all one take. I mean, they they a lot of them took more than one take, but it was one take. Uh, Didn't that? Did you write track. each song in one take also? Um, <laughs> some of them, <laughs> not mostly. It's yeah. like we're like, what we were talking about with uh, Joel Lamb about Elton John and how mm -hmm. Bernie would just like bring bring in the song. He'd like write it in the studio right before he recorded it. <laughs> Wild. Okay, <laughs> that's cool. No, but, I, these were very well rehearsed. I went over and over them the week or two before we recorded, so I was able to do them. Um, yeah, I didn't have to rehearse in the studio, yeah. so that helped. That helped to go faster. Mm -hmm. So you've been a guitar player for a long time, most of your most of your life since you were a teenager. And yes. you know, at what point did poetry and guitar begin to collide and, and create original songs? Um, I think I'll, I've written original songs for a long time, but I would only write one every 10 years or so, you know, and didn't consistently do it. And like you said, when I was started out in high school i was in a few bands playing lead guitar and i was not a singer mm -hmm. and um um it wasn't until i uh at some point in the in, in the uh 80s or 90s i decided to you know I, I kind of stopped with the whole thing and stopped playing in bands and started doing uh went back to college and was going to go straight and everything. And then I started meeting the musicians in college and they ended up getting in more bands and just more trouble. And so <laughs> it never did really work out. But I was in a lot of bands. It's, it may be different in a small town because there's a lot of musicians in a town. If your band breaks up, you got other people you can play with. But in a small town, when your band breaks up, there's really nobody else to play with. There's enough people maybe for two bands. Mm -hmm. And so if you get, you know, this one breaks up, maybe you can join the other one. But uh, so Only if was, they broke up at the same time. I was in, <laughs> yes, I was in and out of bands for a while, and I finally just got tired of going to rehearsals and rehearse for six months, and then the band breaks up. Oh, yeah. And so 
I decided to go solo, and you know everybody had the same point. Yeah, but you can't sing, and I, <laughs> you know, I've been doing this for twenty years now, and I've never let that bother me. <laughs> <laughs> well, none of us noticed. <laughs> hey, Bob Dylan sings, yeah. right? <laughs> if Bob Dylan sings, you're automatically in there as a singer. <laughs> that that was my point too. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember you chatting with you at one point, and we were talking about how your love of literature and poetry specifically grew. I remember you explaining that you would tape episodes of things and then rewatch them. And I feel like that must have played into your approach to poetry and that aspect of your writing. Yes, I recorded a lot of Shakespeare plays and a lot of uh, stuff, Emily Dickinson and stuff, and I've um, learned a lot of that, and I um, read a lot of that stuff. And I've learned to... One thing that I think is important, it's not enough, it's not important to sit down and read poetry and try to figure out what it's about. Read it out loud and listen to it. Listen to the way it sounds. And I think I got that from somewhere I read that uh, Dylan Thomas said that he loved fairy tales. When he was little, he heard fairy tales. And he said that I never knew what they meant. It never bothered me. I just listened to the, I liked the way they sounded. And I'm, I'm like that. I still like the way I read nursery rhymes or fairy tales or whatever kind of poetry and just listen to the rhymes and listen to the the wordplay. And, and when I read Dylan Thomas now, I never try to figure out what he's talking about. Just listen to the way it sounds. And I think that's uh, a big part of it. I think there there's meaning in it and there's double meanings in it, but you, you uh, don't overanalyze it. Just listen to it. Mm. Does that does that inform some of your writing style in terms of how you approach a song? And I know that sometimes you write poetry first, and then that sort of comes into the song. But does, how does the sound of words overall in, inform that and influence that? I think the sound is my primary concern when I'm writing. I listen to the sounds, and I try to write things sound. A lot of times after I've written a song, I go back and listen, oh, that's what it means. Yeah. Because it usually does have meanings, but the writer doesn't necessarily know them. Mm-hmm. You you can learn them. So later. you're kind of saying, you know, by not um, analyzing and trying to figure out some of the the poetry and fairy tales that you're reading. So when you write, does that mean sometimes you'll just come up with a random line and just like not try to interpret it for yourself or like figure out what that song is going to be about yet? You just like kind of write um, what comes to you. Yes, at least in the beginning. Sometimes in rewriting, you you uh, mm-hmm. try to adjust the meaning yeah, or something. Right. I guess. Make it make sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you gave me a suggested writing exercise one time, and the exercise was to take a piece of paper and divide it in half, and then pick a number of syllables that I was going to work with for that exercise, and then just write phrases down the left-hand side that had the correct number of syllables. Mm -hmm. And then down the right-hand side to just go and write without thinking um, as rapidly as I could, allegedly, (laughs) (laughs) a rhyming phrase with the same number of syllables. So that seems to, like, tie right into that, where you could almost take a notebook that had that in it and, like, Tetris a song together in a way where you grab that line from here and there and there and there. And that feels good to me. I don't know. It's interesting because I think one of the places that I get really hung up is, does the song have meaning and is it expressing an important enough point? 
And is it doing so in a way that is like, you know, so this is where I get stuck in my thinking. Am I expressing an important point? Is it doing it in a good way? Is it doing it in a way that's like too obvious, too on the nose, too cheesy, too angry, too happy, whatever the case is, instead of like relaxing and letting the words do what the words do. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think the wordplay is very important. And if you write a song that's perfectly factual and full of meaning, but doesn't have any wordplay in it, it it doesn't catch the ear the Mm -hmm. same way a a painting has to have a... uh, you know, these elements that, uh, that catch the eye and draw the eye into it, you, you have to have, um, you have to have wordplay. Do you set aside time for yourself to write on a regular basis? And then I think a second part of that question is inside of that time, is it always the same type of writing or do you kind of block and I'm going to write and it might be with a guitar and music and it might just be poetry. It might be on a typewriter. It might be handwritten. Because you, you write on typewriter as well. Yeah? Yes. <laughs> what I like about the type, typewriter specifically is that I can, um, I'm very old-timey, so I still write on a computer, too. Um, I do very little songwriting on the phone. I know that's a lot of people's primary oh, yeah. source now. But Half the people we talk to say <laughs> our phone. You know. But I um, if I write something on the typewriter on a word processor, I can... Um, you know, you can copy and paste, you can delete stuff, you can move it around and stuff. But when I write it on the typewriter, when I write rough drafts on the typewriter, then I'll type it into the computer and edit as I go. But that forces me to at least once completely rewrite mm-hmm. the, whole, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know why that helps, but I, <laughs> I think it does. So yeah. I don't know. So when you when you sit down during the week to write, or you, do you, do you block time to do that, like on a regular basis, every day, every week, or how does that work in your world of of kind of creation? I go through different times sometimes, and when I'm not writing, I still might get an inspiration and write something, you know, but uh, something just occurs to me. But I go through times when I'm really trying to push it, when I'm doing a lot of, like I say, reading out loud and listening to a lot of songwriters. I listen to um, songwriters and listen to the words a lot. And a lot of times I'll get the rhythm of the words in my head. And then I just start making up other words uh, that fit in that. And uh, one of the songs I did today I was listening to. Well, I don't want to say what I was listening to, but I was listening to <laughs> I don't want to give away too much. Anyway, I was listening to a song and I started, uh, words started coming to me, so I just went and actually ran upstairs to where the typewriter is and sat down and, and wrote this whole whole song. The one about uh, nothing's happened yet. Yeah, you know. the second song you yeah. played. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll, um, but that just happens sometimes. It catches, but you, you have to, um, you can work to make stuff like that happen, but it's hard to know when it's going to happen. Or... So if you're driving around, and most people nowadays are like, I use my voice memo or my phone, you know, it's like you're driving around listening to a song. Um, do you keep a notebook in your car to, like, write down lines that pop, <laughs> pop and you're like, I got to write this down, you know, so I don't forget it later? I actually do have a voice recorder on my phone. So yeah. <laughs> in that case, <laughs> in that I, case you if would I use was that. driving down the road <laughs> gotcha. and it came up, that would do it. And I've written a couple of things like that on the phone now, but it's I, it's funny. I hear people that their phone is their whole thing, and that's um, I 
try to avoid that. <laughs> it's it's, yeah. it's amazing. It is, it's a useful tool, just like all the other useful tools. But you can lose it, you know. It's yeah. like, I mean, I've dropped my phone in a pool and, like, lost everything. And the phone I mean, helps. The voice recorder helps because a lot of times you also have that thing where you you think of some, a song and you write it down. And you say, oh, this is good. You know, you write it down. You come back to it the next day and was like, how did that go? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. So, uh, my challenge is I have a bunch of voice recordings that I don't devote enough time to going back through and extracting and kind of distilling the parts, you know. And then inevitably when I do make the time to go back through, I'm like, I got this song I was working on. I played it for you all the other day. It's the... Um, the waiting, waiting song, waiting. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, I thought I had a really nifty way to kind of sew up the third verse and do a little something and get out of the song and have it done because it's about long enough, you know. <laughs> and I went back and listened to the voice recording. I was like, nope, didn't get it. <laughs> I knew I, I sang it once perfectly with the right words and everything, and now I can't find it. <laughs> I I have um, I don't have this problem as much as I used to, but one of my um, problems I used to have with songwriting is I would write a verse, a chorus, verse, chorus, repeat the chorus. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's how long is that? Yeah. And, and then I tried it and it turns out it was 58 seconds and I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to need more. <laughs> I need longer verses and more of them. But I've learned now to to stretch out the instrumental parts a little more and mm, yeah. make it up. Yeah. Make My problem work. is I don't title the voice memos, and it'll be like, this was the street you were on when you yeah. recorded this. <laughs> this is the date time stamp. And then I'm like looking through, and I'm like, oh, where did I put, what day did I do that? Cross-reference my voice recorder with my calendar. <laughs> How did you write this Title song? Well, <laughs> yeah. what, what line is this or something? What song is this for? So what, what encouraged you to first pick up a guitar? Um, I have no idea. I was very young when I first got one, and, you know, I got a a toy guitar, and then I got a, you know, like a lot of people, their parents want to get them a guitar, but they say, well, just get a cheap one until you learn. And so I had this guitar that you literally could stick your hand between the neck and the strings. Wow. <laughs> and actually the neck would shift around if you moved it. And oh, sur- my gosh. So like a collapsible never, resonator. <laughs> surprise, I never learned how to play that thing. Um, but... Uh, I don't know. I guess um, they, th- those were always my heroes. You know, when I was little, I saw Johnny Cash on TV, and he had his guitar slung across his back, and he could bring it up. And then when I was a teenager, I was into a lot of uh, the rock players, and, um, you know, they were always my heroes. It's, it's a shame that I didn't have heroes that were in some lucrative profession. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lot more successful, but... Maybe it's better for all of us that you didn't, because <laughs> we get to hear your words. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. That's important. It's very, it's very important, 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 important to have creativity in the world. And it's, it's, um, you know, I, it's probably cliche, but it doesn't matter how good you write. You, you, you know, your latest song is just this is the best thing I've ever written. Then when you go to do it again, you still have a blank page, and you still mm-hmm. have to start over. You can't write the same song again. Don't you have a line about a blank page in one of your songs? I might. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of songs, though. Jim has a lot of, a lot of, you have a pretty large catalog. You've got three <laughs> albums out? Um, I have two albums and a, a few singles. And so Out on a Limb, and Poetry and Pickin'. You can find them all on Spotify or wherever you get your music. Yes. 
all your streaming platforms, Jim is present on all of them. <laughs> Remember, poetry and picking. Poetry and picking. Yeah. And so now as you, you know, so you feel to me like you write and you play because, I mean, it is just deeply woven into the fabric of who you are. Um, and you create this music on a regular basis. And then what are your what are your best outlets for it? What are the things that bring you the most satisfaction when you get to perform? What type of room are you looking for? I, I prefer listening rooms, and, you know, they're very rare here because um, I can play better when I can hear myself, and I get, <laughs> I'm, I'm easily <laughs> distracted when I can hear people talking because I start getting interested in what they're saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. You mentioned that the last time. <laughs> so, you were you saying something about picking up from people's yeah, stories? People's, or? I'm hearing other people telling stories, yeah. and I start getting interested in their stories, <laughs> and then I have to get quieter. I can't, can't I don't want to play over them. <laughs> Jim is the polite bar performer, and like some of the rest of us are like, oh, you're talking during my set. Let me just turn this up louder. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Funny. So do you have plans for another album? Yes, I have enough songs for uh, um, at least another album. I have plans to go into Hourglass sometime, although it's not booked yet, but I'm uh, planning on doing that sometime this year. I was, I'm was i surprised we're already well into the year, and I haven't done yeah. it. But... Same. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised with where this year went also. I'm trying, <laughs> still trying to figure it out myself. <laughs> so I'll keep in touch and let you know when I... Have you've got else. more music ready. <laughs> well, we can't yeah. wait to hear it. Uh, I love everything I've ever heard you do, and Jim is one of you're one of the first performers and first songwriters that I met in Wilmington when I started getting involved with the music community. And then we got to find out that we're basically from the same place ish <laughs> in <laughs> South Carolina. So that's been a, a lovely experience, and we're really grateful for you sharing your music with us here on the Voice in the Pen, and then also coming and sharing your thoughts on songwriting and, and how you approach this here on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Look forward to seeing yeah, you again you. really soon. Thank you for being here today. Well, Is there thank anything you. else we should chat about? Like <laughs> what, what other surprises are up Jim's sleeve? I just wanted to thank TK too. He's been over there and we, we just haven't really acknowledged him being here. So Yeah, and TK, you know, scenes. in a non creepy way, always lurking in the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> He's always here. Always here. You just don't see him this. And thank time. you, Emily. It's it's been a, a pleasure talking to all of you and uh, hope yeah, to do it again and hope to be great. on the voice in the pen again soon. You, you we, will be we, we will be. We'd love to have you back anytime. Absolutely. All right. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, thank you. I'm on the last leg of my journey I'm on my way back home I'm on the last leg of my journey I'm on my way back home Never more to wander Never more to roam It's been a long time, baby, since I stood on solid ground. It's been a long time, baby, since I stood on solid ground. I'm on the last leg of my journey. 
I'll be home soon, safe and sound. So put a candle in the window. I'm bound to see the light. Put a candle in the window. I'm bound to see the light. I'm on the last leg of my journey. I'll be home I'm on the last leg of my journey I'm on my way back home I'm on the last leg of my journey I'm on my way back home Never more to wander Never more to roam Thank you. Okay, I think I'm ready. It gets awfully quiet deep in the night As I just sit here and wait For an old friend I've been expecting She's always fashionably late My mind keeps going in circles Remembering the last square deal I never understood the geometry And I don't know quite how to feel If it was cold I would shiver And if I was hot I would sweat But I'm lost in somebody else's future Where nothing's happened and so I lay down and stare at the ceiling for a while And then I stand up and look at the walls But I've got this sinking feeling Like I'm heading for a fall and ha ah, ah. <laughs> We can do it again Okay
I was just thinking about how I never forget the words to this. It's softly quiet deep in the night As I just sit here and wait For an old friend I've been expecting She's always fashionably late My mind keeps going in circles Remembering the last square deal I never understood the geometry And I don't know quite how to feel if it was cold, I would shiver, and if I was hot, I would sweat. But I'm lost in somebody else's future where nothing's happened yet. And so I lay down and stare at the ceiling for a while, then I stand up and look at the walls. But I've got this sinking feeling. Like I'm heading for a fall A prisoner lives in my memory He's doing life with no chance for parole Can't say for sure if the cell is in the tower Or down in some deep dank hole A gambler is counting the chips he has left Knowing there's no safe bet When the cards are still being shuffled And Nothing's happened yet I know that a candle is burning somewhere But I can't seem to see any light And knowing what I know now that nothing is left Still don't make it right I'm living in the latitude and longitude And I'm reading in between the lines but I know what I know of the outside world From peeking out through the blinds I have no powers of deduction So what you see is all that I get And I'm always ready for anything at all But nothing's happened yet And I'm always ready for anything at all But nothing's happened Thank you.